0: And I feel like you guys can tell that I'm smiling through the microphone because I am. (laughs) I've been so excited to release this episode and have had so much fun editing and listening back to what we discussed. So if you're not familiar with Elizabeth, she's a guide, a channel for various cosmic sources and extra dimensional beings. And she's one of the most prominent leaders in the spiritual community right now as we're making this shift from 3D to 5D. And she's essentially here to help us align with our most authentic selves and understand how these cosmic realities are aligning for us. So in this episode, we talk about the matrix that is the earth plane right now and ascending that reality. We talk about astral travel and dream work. Then we get into her abduction at the age of 18 and how she was first introduced to aliens and the Galactic Federation. We talk about awakening to your own gifts, the soul's journey, and so much more. This is such a rich episode. So I hope you guys enjoy this one and have as much fun listening to it as I did recording it. And thank you so much for being here. It means so much to me. And it's wonderful that you're doing this for yourself. You know, if you're here listening, there's a reason. So embrace this conversation with an open mind and an open heart. I love you. I'll talk to you on the flip side. I actually took a road trip across country to get here for two months, and I had this great little segment of the trip with my sister going through Colorado and that's when I first heard one of your podcast episodes and my sister was just not really involved in these conversations yet so I have this beautiful memory of you just like helping us have these conversations and bridge into these moments
1: together. Amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Me and my dad just took a whole kind of east coast trip for 10 days and we were listening to Dolores Cannon's audiobook. So it's so cool how she was that for us, bridging, like having these conversations, bringing stuff up. And then yes. it was so cool now hearing
0: that I was that for you guys. I love oh, that. yeah. No, exactly. Because yep. for me, at least when I talk to family about this, you know, these ideas and everything that I'm experiencing, they're like, okay, Helen. <laughs> but when they hear it from somebody else, it kind of yeah. creates this affirmation and this um, just expansive opportunity for them. So. Yeah.
1: I tell people all the time, you know, if you don't want to talk about new world order reptilians, if you don't want to go there with your people or with your family, just send them this video. I'll be (laughs) the one. Like I'll do it. You know what I mean? I'll have that conversation for you because it's like, fuck it. Like that's just kind of where I am. Like just say it, you know, (laughs) there's no going back
0: now. So yeah. So that's, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, if you're ready, we can just kind of continue our conversation and jump right into it. Let's do it. So the first thing I'll ask you is how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any morning rituals or rising rituals?
1: Um, Mostly I love my sleep, but I do tend to set like five or six alarms in the morning starting probably around 6am and ending me around 9am and like almost every half an hour And the reason why I do that is because it helps me lucid dream. So every time the alarm goes off, it brings me into, I guess, conscious reality. And then I drift back into dream reality, but I drift back with more awareness than I did before. So that's kind of my playground is the morning. And then other than that, when I actually get up, uh, no, I really don't live my life by routine or ritual. Um, because I'm so in the moment, I so go with the flow. You know, every day looks different just because I'm always listening to myself. And I and I definitely plan plan ahead. I love planning, um, but I'm also always open to it changing. You know, so I really kind of try and hold, for the most part, as a human, zero expectations from moment to moment.
0: Oh, I love that. I'd love yeah. to get into lucid dreaming with you a little bit too. While we're already talking about it, do you have yeah. any? kind of tips or tools that help you further get into that lucid dream and initiate it? Uh, Yeah, I mean, like I said,
1: putting the multiple alarms on in the morning is like a huge help, I think, for anyone. The morning is typically when most of the lucid dreaming for anyone goes on, just because we are a little bit more restless, a little bit more aware, and we bring that awareness into our dream state. I also want to mention, too, that Astral traveling and lucid dreaming are the same thing. It's us getting out of our body. So if you can wake up in your dream, you can wake up in the moments where you're actually just out of body. And to be honest, we're out of body a lot of the time, even throughout the day. You know, as starseed beings, we tend to escape a lot. And, you know, most of us don't even recognize that we're out of body. A lot of us are like, "Well, teach me how to astral travel and and, you know, and project." Um, and for me, it's like, there's no teaching you how to do it because you're already doing it all the time. It's teaching you to be aware of it. So if you want to be aware of being out of your body more often, it's understanding when you're actually in autopilot, when your system, when your functions, when you're human is in autopilot. And the second that you bring your awareness to that moment of autopilot, what do you do? You bring your astral body back into your physical body, right? And then all of a sudden there's this moment of like, oh, what? what have I been doing for the past two hours, right? Um, so that awareness of where your consciousness is and where that conscious body is, is so important. And that's gonna really help us with um, the lucid dreaming and remembering your dreams. There was another trick, a couple of tricks that I, uh, I read about many years ago when I was doing astral traveling and um, lucid dreaming myself. And one of them is like the light switch. If you wake up in a dream, And um, you're aware enough to be like, oh, where's the light switch for this room? In a dream, supposedly, you're unable to change the lighting of a dream. That's kind of what science says, I guess. And I've tried it. I've gone over to a light switch in a dream. I've turned the light on, turned the light off, and nothing happens. The light is still there. So that's something that will kind of wake you up um, in the dream. And then uh, the other thing is time. Time is always really weird in dreams. So I used to always wear a watch specifically for the reason of it'll remind me to look at my watch in my dream and to ask myself what time it is. And typically, you know, the the little pointers on the watch are spinning, right? And just like some weird stuff or the watch is melting off my wrist. I'm like, hey, this isn't reality. (laughs) I'm in a dream right now. And you kind of wake up in the dream. And then the last uh, pointer that I would give for lucid dreaming, is, um, this is a really great tip, and it's about looking at your hands. So if three times a day, you look at your hands, and you ask yourself, am I dreaming? And you literally do that, you set an alarm on your phone, and for three times a day, you do that every day for even just three weeks, I guarantee you, there's going to be a moment in your dream reality, where you look at your hands, and you ask yourself, am I dreaming? And all of a sudden, you realize, oh my goodness, I am. Now what can I do? Right. And then you, with that awareness, you have full control. One more thing I want to mention about this because it's a really fascinating topic. I always bring it back to the movie, the matrix and I think his name is Neo and he jumps the building, right? It's such a significant moment in so many ways. He jumps, he jumps the building, I guess, in the, one of the first simulations of of the matrix and he's unable to do it. Right. Because he feels like it's so real. The more attached we are to the density of this state of reality of thinking to yourself, this desk in front of me is solid because that's what science tells me is that it's solid, the more and more this desk will present itself as solid. So what's really cool in dream time and lucid dreaming is when we start to realize that we're in a dream and that this desk doesn't have to be solid, that the person in front of me doesn't have to be five feet tall. They can be two feet tall or 10 feet tall, and you're in charge of that. The more power that we gain in dream world understanding that it's all an illusion, the more we can integrate that ideology of, hey, this reality is an illusion into this physical reality, because I believe it's the exact same thing. It is only our belief and perception around this reality that makes it the solid, you know, limiting container that it is in our life, right? And it all comes back to you are in control of creating your own reality, just like we can
0: prove to ourselves that we're in control of creating our own dream reality as well. Mm, Thank you for sharing that with us. I mean, those, those tips that you shared are so powerful and I can absolutely attest to the, the hand, looking at the hand and asking if you're dreaming that has helped me immensely. It's wild. So hopefully people listening will give that a little try. I love it. Yeah. Can you dive in a little bit more to where we're going? What's happening when we're out of body, when we're astral traveling, even unconsciously, where is our energy going? What's happening?
1: Um, Most of the time for starseeds who leave their body in the middle of the day, they're just kind of floating around, like they're really just in the etheric realms. Sometimes I have seen, um, I call them like light warriors because they fight battles in the astral realms. So I've seen a lot of human beings who have actual physical disabilities. Maybe they, you know, have a hip replacement. Maybe they have gout in their foot, whatever it may be. But a lot of the time, when a starseed's physical body is damaged or incapable of doing certain things, it holds them back in that physical way because their soul is actually this light warrior and they need to have more time and energy into their astral realm um, than into their physical. So they may be prevented from doing things in the physical, but in the astral realm, even during the day, in the middle of the day, they will be battling wars. In the astral realm for planet earth right and that's why they had to be human to anchor their energy and vibration here so that's that's a you know a unique case i've seen multiple light warriors and starseeds in that position um for most of us like starseeds and and light workers we don't feel comfortable being contained within a body and it's a very subtle but also deep-rooted Um, you know, resistance that we have to being confined within this container. So it feels better to float out and to drift around, even if we're not doing anything at all, than it does just being here. And, you know, I just remember when I first stepped into astral traveling in a huge way, or I guess stepped back into it because I used to do it all the time as a kid was in university, and I just remember being in this giant university, kind of like stadium of a classroom, and the professors in the front, and the stands go all the way up, and I was so bored in the class that I ended up astro-traveling out of my body and I was like floating around and twirling and twisting and having so much fun Then I was like creeping on other people's like laptops and computers. Oh, what notes are they writing? You know, and it was just, I was having fun with it because I was so bored, but I did that consciously. I think we do that all the time, you know, and just have fun and have that experience, that freedom while we're just kind of living our everyday mundane lives. It's really fascinating.
0: Yeah. I'd love to hear about your initial journey through awakening. And I guess, what does awakening even mean for you? Because it's a term that we're all using so much. So could you tell us a little bit about your story?
1: Yeah, totally. I really feel like, so I'm 28 now. I feel like my whole life has been dedicated to the process of awakening, to really just unfolding. Um, And for me, awakening, if I were to define it, is just simply raising your vibrational frequency. That's all I would describe it as. You don't have to be some sort of spiritual hippie. You don't have to meditate five hours a day to awaken yourself, to, to, to make better choices that are in a higher alignment, right? It's just raising your vibration. If I were to teach anyone how to be psychic or have any of these abilities, it would always come down to raising your vibration. If you want to speak to your alien spirit guides raise your vibration if you want to be psychic and tap into future timelines raise your vibration if you want to create and manifest abundance in the physical world raise your vibration it's really what it comes down to and in order to raise our vibration we need to let go of the baggage that no longer serves us let go of the old limiting beliefs let go of the attachments and I was, you know, starting to do this. And I think a lot of light workers have been going through this since a young age. And you kind of think, you know, what does a seven-year-old have to let go of, right? I mean, what really has a seven-year-old created to let go of? But it really comes down to those Akashic records and even ancestral trauma that we carry, right? So it's like step by step, we go through these challenges and these lessons and these setbacks and, 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 and all of these things to grow, to move forward, to let go, to release, to complete karma, energy reverberation, in order to move forward into this higher vibration. And every single time you think that you're there, and you've got it, and you've tackled it, there's something else, there's another layer that we have to really, you know, unpack and go through. So for me, you know, I feel like my childhood was unique, but also not very unique, because I know so many empaths, so many beautiful beings who all had very similar childhoods to me, which was Experiencing energies, seeing ghosts and spirits, you know, for me, I was seeing chakras um, and even speaking to my interdimensional guides. Back then, I said I was speaking to God because I was raised Catholic. So that was kind of my interpretation of what was going on. But even at six, I was teaching my friend how to levitate by sitting on a pillow and closing her eyes I didn't realize I was tapping into some sort of past lifetime where I was able to levitate, you know, it was just like a fun game that we were playing. Um, So yeah. And then, you know, various degree of psychic attacks, even when I was younger through other people growing up, I luckily grew up in a very supportive environment for what I could do, even though it was very Catholic and very, uh, you know, dense in that way. And then I ended up shutting down, Pretty much all of my abilities at around the age of ten, I just wanted to fit in, of course, I just wanted to be normal and have friends. Uh, I went really from the metaphysical world into the very physical world and you know went into sports and that 's when I really started acclimating and you know becoming normalized right within my community and within you know school friends and stuff um, but that 's also when a lot of anxiety and depression hit me was when I was acclimating acclimating, is when I was, you know, just being normal is when I was really shutting down my spiritual self was, uh, I was letting go of a huge aspect. And so I was really like searching for answers and questioning everything. And that led me to my first past life regression, which happened at the age of 16. And it was my dad actually who gave me the past life regression. And, uh, and that really woke me up to, Hey, time is is an illusion, right? Simultaneous time is a thing. And reincarnation is possible. Fantastic. That's a huge can of worms. Let's go for it. And that's when, you know, that realization of, wow, I've been a philosopher, I've been a healer, I've been a channeler in past lifetimes, I feel like that's what I'm supposed to be in this life. And even though I kind of realized that at 16, still went away to university, so happy I did, even though it wasted a lot of time and money. But um, it it gave me the container that I needed to be free of, I guess my hometown and my own parents and and container and safety of home, um, and it allowed me to explore my abilities uh, without needing to fully integrate into society. Right, like that that container was just so needed for me, and I wouldn't change a thing going back into it. Um, and so it was after you know really going into university is when all of my abilities, astral traveling, remote viewing, um, lucid dreaming, telepathy, channeling, clairvoyancy, you know, all of that started coming back to me tenfold. And yeah, and then I ended up getting abducted by aliens around the same time. And that, of course, blew the lid off of another aspect of maybe a limiting belief or reality. And ever since then, I've been communicating with interdimensionals and helping people in one-on-one sessions and just trying to really release the information in all the ways as much as I can.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'd love to ask you too about past lives and the time and space continuum, because if there really is no space and time, how are we supposed to perceive past lives? Do some of us just kind of come into existence or do we have an infinite number of past lives? Can you help us understand this?
1: it's very vast. Like it's very expansive. I'm writing a book right now that is going to revolutionize everything that we've ever known about past lifetimes, reincarnation. I mean, it's, it's really like next level stuff. Mm. And that download just came to me like a month ago. So, um, and it's beautiful because it doesn't necessarily discredit everything that we know about past lifetimes. It adds this element to it that I've never really questioned before. So it's, it's interesting. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I mean, the difference I believe between say an old soul or a young soul is that an old soul has just learned more lessons from the experiences that they've had. It doesn't mean that they've necessarily had more incarnations because it's not a numbers game, right? So if you have like person A and person B, let's just say, and we're talking about human lifetimes, both Person A and Person B have had 10 human incarnations on this planet, but Person A was much more stubborn or resistant, and they only learned five out of the 10 lessons that they could have learned, and Person B ended up learning 10 out of 10 lessons, learned something in every lifetime through vulnerability and surrender and listening, and all of that stuff. And so technically, even though the number of past lifetimes is the same, you know, person B is more experienced, therefore I would consider them an older soul and what have you. So it's more the experience and the lessons that they've gone through. But yet we've had an infinite, like an infinite number of past lifetimes. And especially the individuals who are probably listening to this podcast, um, as well as the individuals who have found my content, you know, they're star seeds, right? They're here thinking. I don't belong here, they're here thinking this isn't my home, you know, and those are the ones who have had multiple, if not infinite uh, amount of past lifetimes off this planet, and have decided to volunteer themselves to be here, which is a huge commitment. And you know, I thank those people for being here, uh, because I'm here too, and it's better (laughs) together, you know, in my mind. So yeah, it's just a little overview
0: about past lifetimes, but it, it is such an expansive concept. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I also would love to just dive in and tap into the interdimensional beings that you're working with and who you'd like to communicate with the most and maybe give us a little bit of information around their personalities and what they're doing here with us.
1: Yeah, totally. So there's so many just like, you know, past lifetimes, there's so many interdimensional beings um, just around planet Earth alone, let alone, you know, the infinite amount in the universe. And so I specifically work with a couple of different groups. Right now, the main group that I work with is the Galactic Federation. Um, Basically, the Galactic Federation is just a giant organization of many different interdimensional beings who collectively just want the best for everyone, really just want unity consciousness. And so there's so many different species within the Galactic Federation who are really moving forward on this unity consciousness? Um, specifically, I work with the Palladian Security Council that works within the GFL, and they—they they are basically about eight Palladian, mostly men, who—sorry, my wife just left. Okay, um, who all deal with? Um, what's going on on planet Earth. Sometimes they've told me about environmental things, a volcano erupting, uh, you know, a huge uh, ice shelf in Antarctica breaking off. Sometimes they've told me about war type of things or solar flares. Um, Mostly I report to them, hey, here's the collective consciousness of humanity. This is where we're at right now. What do they need to know? Like, what's the next piece of this puzzle? So they've been really good. They told me all about the Mandela effect before anyone was really ever talking about the Mandela effect. And that's when they explained 3D to 5D shifting. Really incredible. So that's really who I get the majority of my information from is that Palladian Security Council. Um, And then, yeah, and then I also speak a lot to my past life self. But of course, time is just simultaneous. And that's my gray, um, tall gray ambassador self. And then he's got a whole team of, of advisors. Now he's specifically in relation to the hybrid project and the way that humans are going with our genetics and our genetic advancement. We've already been kind of toyed with in the past with our genetics. That's, that's the missing link is them, those interdimensionals. And now we're preparing for the next level of genetic advancement. So I haven't really spoken uh, much about this in my videos because humanity's not really there yet. Like we're still in crisis mode with, you know, shutting down the third dimension reality. Um, and then who else do I talk to? I also talk to um, a future version of myself as well. His name is Khan, and he is a mantis being. He first introduced himself to me in 2015. And, uh, yeah, just a really beautiful, like I call him the, the, not the master of the universe, but like the observer of the universe. He really just sits and observes the flow of everything. So he's kind of an even bigger picture than planet earth. And then I just connect with a variety of other beings. Sometimes the Arcturians, um, sometimes, you know, really random beings like rhinoceros looking humanoid beings, um. Aquatic looking beings, as well, I get connected to. So, for me, it's like whatever they need to tell me so that I can tell humanity. Uh, you know, they will show up in my reality. But I also get information from my own higher self, which is my soul. I get information from the collective of the planet, right? There's this huge Akashic record of all of the lifetimes ever lived on planet Earth. And there is so much juicy information that's just waiting there. So I tap into that. And I also tap into pure source uh, consciousness as well, because tapping into an interdimensional for their information still has its limitations. There's still a soul that's infinite, infiniteness contained within a container, you know? So sometimes I just love going to a higher source, source itself or the collective of the planet to gain access to information. So yeah, so it's, it's interesting but that's kind of
0: who I mostly connect to, I guess. Mm -hmm. How do you perceive the soul and God in general? It's so interesting to know that you've had a Catholic background and have had this experience in religion too, but now how do you perceive God and source energy?
1: Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say there's so many labels, like the universe, source, God, creator, you know, pure light, right? There's just so many different words. I really try and stay away from God. Sometimes I'll bring it up when I feel like the collective needs to hear it in that way, but there's been so much destruction, so much genocide, so much pain, so much so much icky stuff related to that word god you know it's just like i feel it all i feel the baggage of that word coming through every time it It's used as crazy but source yeah um the way one of the pictures that i received as far as a download and explaining source and then the soul is if you can imagine a spaghetti strainer right it's like a metal spaghetti strainer And you had a flashlight and you um, turn the flashlight on and the light from the flashlight shines through the spaghetti strainer. So that flashlight is source. It's everything. It's everything and nothing, infinitely, all at the same time. And then when source chooses, as it has, to recreate itself in a variety of different ways just to experience, which is the whole purpose of life and existence, it shines its light through the spaghetti strainer and creates all of those individual pockets of light, which is the soul. We're just fractals of source. So that's how I understand source itself. And I've had many conversations regarding the big questions. You know, who are we? Why are we here? What's the point of it all? And it really always comes back to that individual experience that we're here to gain. It's not about the the end destination, it's always about the journey. The whole point we're here, separate from source, is to experience the polarity of anything and everything that's not source, so that we get back to source. And I remember one time, there was such a significant conversation I had with source. I said, why is there so much suffering? Like, really, truly. And this, I get this question all the time. Why would God create suffering? Right? Why would source, why would we as the ultimate creator create suffering? And it always comes back to this. And what source, when I asked source, what source replied to me as was, imagine having everything as a human being, you have infinite money in your bank account you have all the friendships you could ever possibly ask for you have a great family dynamic you have all the scholarly information you have all the books you have all the knowledge you have everything everything you could ever possibly want and ask for as a human being how long would it take you to get bored and instantly, pretty fast <laughs> instantly you know I was like yeah that's it that's the answer. Of course, Source has everything. It has infinitely all and infinitely nothing at the same time. Of course, Source would get bored. It may take two million years of having everything to be like, yo, I think it's a good time to be a microorganism, you know, and experience that, right? And I would do that all the yeah. time. Even as a kid, I would ask travel into the body of my cat just to feel like what it would be like being a cat, you know? Um, absolutely. So we're here as Source souls, you know, as a a fractal of the infinite source that is, to experience this impermanent body, to gain access to knowledge and information. And that's the same reason why we're a plant, the same reason why we're a dog, the same reason why we're a blade of grass, is to gain access to that, that experience. There is never a hierarchy. There is never a, oh, it's better to be human. Oh, it's, you know, looking down on the consciousness of a plant. It's, there's never... There's never a hierarchy system within the experience. It is all so valuable. And that really allows you to appreciate every fractal of source in all of
0: its expressions. Mm. Thank you for that visual. That was so helpful to imagine it like a strainer coming through. So good. Yes. (laughs) How do you see us evolving as humanity going through the next 10 years we're going through such a huge shift collectively and from 3d to 5d how can you help us perceive this shift and what we're preparing for and integrating
1: Mm -hmm. with huge absolutely it's so huge right now right now so what i've been told by the galactic federation is that we are currently experiencing a four-year cycle the cycle it got started in 2020 and it's going to go till twenty twenty four, and this four year cycle is the basically absolute collapse of all of the structures within society. Uh, and actually, I just want to make mention of this, you know. And the structures that I'm talking about are like mass media, politics, economics, uh, you know, um, religions, right? Anything that is limiting and is not allowing society to move into the quantumness, the infiniteness, the simultaneousness of 5D frequency. You know, I've been having so many downloads recently of all these technologies, things like silly things like Instacart, Uber Eats, right? Even Uber itself. These are all technologies that solve a problem of, hey, now one company doesn't have to own all of these cabs and, and, and maintain them because we're giving the power back to the individual to say, you wanna make money? There's so many ways to make money. You can be your own boss. There's freedom in them. And it's an economy that's very open and reliant on technology, which has its own fears, but it's 5D, right? It's no longer a 3D company that is attached to 3D things. Like I was just laughing so hard the other day, ordered a Starbucks in the morning. I could have walked to Starbucks, right? And taking the time and the energy to go there to order my thing and to pay for it. But I just clicked two buttons on my phone and it arrives at my door in 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. right? It's this simultaneous quantum experience of we are taking space and time out of the equation with these technologies. It's really cool when you take a look at the advancement in that way of that's 5D, right? So 5D doesn't have to have Butterflies and rainbows (laughs) and light and all the hippies are hugging each other. We're in it. We're already transitioning. Mm -hmm. And this other download that I got the other day was, I think it was just yesterday, was about religion. And right now, all of these people are prevented from going physically into a church to praise God, to read from a Bible, to give their tithing to give their money to the church so what's going to happen to the churches when they're not getting the money oh my god they're going to shut down yeah guess what's going to happen to the people who aren't going to church to connect with god they're going to realize that they don't have to go to church to connect with god wow yes right it's happening the shutting down of the systems is happening i am so so excited i am so freaking excited Um, so that's what we're going to expect for the next three years. Like people think 2020 was a shit show and it was, but man, this is just the beginning. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Just the beginning. I know it's overwhelming and people are like, you know, the people who are like, I just want things to go back to normal. Those are the people who are like, Ooh, you're going to have a rough couple of years. You know, it's never going to be back to normal. If anything, our normal was corrupt. It was conditioning, it was confining, and so many star seeds are freaking out right now seeing the New World Order plans unfolding before their eyes, and yeah, I get that, but we also have to realize that there are multiple agendas at play here. We can just look at the New World Order or the, the elites or the shadow government agendas, but hey, if you're just waking up to that now, I knew this years ago. I knew this 10 years ago they were pushing for this stuff. I knew 10 years ago they were you know, trying to shut us down and dull our consciousness and all of that. They've pushed for so long and so hard and they still haven't been able to stop us. So what kind of reality are you gonna observe in the next couple of years? Are you gonna continue to hold the faith and hold the highest intention in your vibration, knowing that we're moving into a place of unity consciousness, seeing the 5D unfold before your eyes, or are you gonna continue to look into the fear, to look into the agendas, to look into the conspiracy? That's okay, we need to know that this stuff is happening to educate ourselves all day, every day, but we can't allow it to consume us. And where my, it's not even a fear, But where my observations have been recently is we have all these beautiful, powerful, conscious beings who who listen to my content and who are awakened enough to listen and to not freak out. And yet they're still holding a fear frequency in relation to the shadow government and the elite's agendas. They are powerful, conscious beings, and they are projecting and continuing to recreate this old limiting 3D dynamic. Yes, it's happening, but you're focusing on it and you're perpetuating it, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to see the collapse, but just because we see the collapse does not mean that things are getting worse. As a matter of fact, they're getting a lot better and we're purging it out. Just like if you were to have a common cold and you're sneezing, your body is sneezing to purge out the virus, to purge out the sickness. That's what's happening right now. We need these things to collapse. We need the systems to shift. We need the reform to happen because it's never worked for the collective ever. And now it's about to, which means that we need to collapse everything we've ever known, which means we can't be attached to it because the more that we're attached to the old systems, the more the collapse is gonna personally affect you and it's gonna make you spiral. And, and that's an option for you. You can opt out of that,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, power of choice how can we make sure that we're holding that frequency and just training ourselves to get out of that fear-based thinking?
1: Mm-hmm. Good question. So for me, and, and I think honestly, like one of my greatest superpowers is being as human as I am. <laughs> it's not the ability to ask travel and speak to 12D <laughs> beings. It's not, it's none of that. It's really, for me, just to be so realistic and so logical and so grounded and so just fucking real in I human, like that's the superpower because I look at all angles. I'm not just looking at 5D. I understand it all. The number one thing moving forward and the thing that I keep hearing from the GFL this entire year, but they've been telling me this personally since 2012, is get prepared, get prepared, get prepared, get prepared at a physical level for the worst case scenario. Right? I am a huge proponent of like having a bug out bag and having a plan. And if you're in the city, being able to get out of the city, it's not a fear based thing. It's a very realistic thing. Because if and when shit does hit the fan, which we've already seen in the past year, right? people freak out. There's a fear based mentality. You're running to the stores to buy up all the sanitizer and toilet paper or what have you. Right. It's not a good mentality to be in. For me, it's like when shit hit the fan this year. I'm like, all right, I'm good. I've been prepping for this for a while now. Bring it on. So when when stuff happens and you're prepared, you're still holding the highest frequency because you're prepared for the worst case scenario. I think that our transition into 5D, it's going to be rocky. It already has been for this year. This is a good kind of sentiment this year for what's to come. That's cool. But if you're still not prepared at home, if you still don't have three months supply of water and food and maybe some precious metals, right? Then this is the time to do it. Like I said, you know, we're not just chilling because COVID's almost over or what have you. I mean, it's only gonna ramp up even more. And for people who are like, I don't have the money or I don't have the space. I live in a one bedroom, 800 square foot, tiny, tiny place. And half of my closet is filled with non-perishables And it's not like I break the bank doing it. Every time I go grocery shopping, I buy one or two more cans, one or two more dried mangoes, whatever it may be. And I store them away like a little pack animal, right? So for me, it's like there's no excuses. And like I said, hey, best case scenario, nothing more happens. And you're good. And you've got tons of food and water and you feel comfy. And you're just kind of sitting on a cloud, right? it's best to be prepared for anything that happens and goes down and be self-sufficient at this time. Maybe get a garden going if you have a backyard, if you have the capability of doing that, but that self-sufficiency is gonna be huge because the systems are collapsing and we can't rely on any of that moving forward uh, in the same way. We've gotta be able to to move forward
0: independently before we move forward collectively. Mm, That's so good to know. Um, I would also love to talk to you about the Galactic Federation trending and it becoming mainstream <laughs> a little bit. That was wild. So do you think that humans are kind of getting ready and a little bit more prepared to ease into the introduction here to interdimensional beings? one hundred percent like literally i was thinking a month ago like man the last
1: thing that would really like cherry on top of this freaking amazing awakening astounding scary but still amazing year of awakening would be aliens the disclosure of aliens <laughs> we've already
0: seen
1: we've already seen the pentagon say ufo's are real like we've already had these little kind of seeds planted But wow, for someone who's so rooted in education, so rooted in politics, so uh, respected in his field, right, to come out. And I know that he was saying that Trump was supposed to do it. I just want to say I am so happy he didn't do it because it would be a mockery. It would be such it would be like the next biggest joke of Trump and disclosing this. Right. Mm -hmm. It had to come from this guy. And and. even when I asked the Galactic Federation about him, I said, what's, you know, what do you guys feel about it? What do you think about this disclosure? They were laughing and they said that they've had many, they've had a, several conversations with this man in Israel talking about him being the one to disclose it. But this, was, this timeline was not supposed to happen for quite a while. And, and the GFL said that it was such a beautiful revelation, but also like um, validation to see this man coming out and saying that and to have it, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird story, but to have it be so well-received and not suppressed mm-hmm. and have it be, you know, really covered by all the mainstream media organizations, that right there is uh, is a huge validation that humanity is awakening rapidly. And that's really exciting. And I just want to mention too, That the other download that I received related to that is the words themselves, Galactic Federation, hold a vibrational frequency so that all of these people, like literally I just saw hundreds of thousands of people all around the world reading these headlines. And it's not just, you know, this Israeli guy is saying aliens exist. We've used aliens so many times and it's been skewed and it's been put into a dark light. There's just this energetic baggage wrapped around aliens, that word. But the words Galactic Federation instantly unlock a starseed's knowing and awareness of, hey, I recognize that. Hey, you know, I'm connected to that. Because all of the starseeds who are on this planet once worked or were in connection with the Galactic Federation and volunteered their souls through the GFL to be on this planet. So the words themselves, Galactic Federation, instantly opens open a starseed's mind and and allows them to remember and if i look back at my big video this past year in march that was messages from the galactic federation it hit so many people because it had the words galactic federation in it and all these starseeds got the validation of oh my goodness i'm also a volunteer from the gfl and now we've got hundreds of thousands of people watching the mainstream all you know remembering why and how they came here. Really cool.
0: Very exciting. I know all of us yeah. were like, what? NBC is posting this? It's, it's totally not being suppressed. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I remember you using this term cosmic euphoria, which I just loved hearing you say so much, and kind of getting back to tapping into a higher frequency and keeping ourselves there. How do you tap into that cosmic euphoria on a daily basis? And what can we be doing to, to shift there? breath work, meditation, like what can we do?
1: Yeah. So I would just define cosmic euphoria as this, it's, it's obviously more of a feeling. It's a state of being. It's being in this moment where you have so much overwhelming appreciation for every small, tiny aspect of your entire reality, that this wave of gratitude and love like unconditional love and source frequency waves, you know, over you. And To get to that point, you just have to be in a high vibration, which means stop the distraction in your life. Try and stop all cognitive dissonance. Try and let go of any resistance or triggering that you have in your life. It's so important. And the more and more we can be silent from moment to moment and just observe objectively the reality around us, rather than being so enmeshed and engrossed and entangled in moment to moment of our humanness. Um, the more and more we have those moments of cosmic euphoria. So things like self-care, journaling, um, taking a bath, uh, doing yoga, um, meditating, you know, these are all things that we can do that gets us in this place of neutrality that gets us in this place of zero point where we can just be in the moment. Cosmic euphoria only comes when you're just being rather than doing or thinking or putting action. So the more and more you can get into that space, the better it's going to be for you
0: and your vibration. Mm -hmm. I'm also coming back to thinking about the ancestral trauma that we hold and the collective trauma that we're bringing in or from past lives or whatever that we're bringing in and finding ways to recognize that which is not ours that we can release. Mm -hmm. How can we get, get better at recognizing that and releasing that? It's such a tough...
1: Like, that's a great question, but it's so tough because it requires the most subtle discernment between vibrational frequencies. Mm. Um, I understand and I know how to navigate discernment by having that silence, by being in that objective observation, but also by asking questions. So if I'm feeling something like the other day, I was just in the middle of my day. It was a great day, actually. So many great meetings and things and interviews or whatever. And this wave of anger came over me, like so much rage, like so much anger, so not me. And I had to ask, you know, where is this coming from? And it was this collective almost like a burst of energy that Mother Gaia released. And it just, it was this wave that hit kind of everyone in that moment. And I even mentioned it to my people and everyone was like, oh my God, I felt the anger today too, which was really validating. But asking, being objectively aware, being in the moment and asking the right questions will allow you to discern. But I want to say that ultimately, We don't have to know what everything is and where everything comes from in order to tackle and navigate it. That's actually, as a matter of fact, that can be more distraction than Mm -hmm. anything. Ultimately, we can be in the present moment and say, make a statement being something along the lines of, I nullify, delete, and void any and all ancestral trauma that my being still holds And I also choose to nullify, delete, and void that for all of my ancestors as well. And just by making that statement, you're literally, like, what I see as an image is like the domino effect. It's like, this is white light, the statement. Because you're conscious and none of your ancestors have been conscious enough to just ask for the clearing, you're (laughs) doing that. You're (laughs) doing that for you and you're doing that for everyone in a quantum way. We just have to ask. Because our spirit guides, our you know, interdimensional family members, they can't override our free will. They can't do anything for us. And so many people give their power away to their guides. Okay, guides, allow me to do this thing. It's like, no, you have to ask for the thing. You have to know that that's possible. And then they will assist you. But you have to ask for it first because it's the law of non-intervention. And they are very strict by abiding by that. So really, it just, it just takes asking. You can ask for all the clearings in all of the little pockets of your vibration without even knowing what's coming from where, right? You don't want to get distracted in all the knowledge. You just want to know that you have the ability to transmute it.
0: Oh, I would love that. It's so empowering to think in that way. It also yeah. gives me a little ping to ask you about free will and predestination, for lack of a better term. Like, where do those two intersect?
1: Oh, huge concept. I have a whole long chapter about both of these things in my book. Um, Yeah, this has been a huge question for me. and, And just recently, I'm finally piecing the final pieces together. It's really wild. Just a month ago, I had a huge breakthrough with this. Ultimately, I've always believed that destiny, predestiny, and free will are currently simultaneously existing. So our destiny would be our blueprints or our contracts that we wrote before we got into this lifetime. It wasn't your spirit guides to write it. It wasn't God to write it. It wasn't anyone else but you. You decided all the challenges, the hurdles, the things that you needed to overcome in this lifetime to move forward. You decided all the shitty things in your life. You did that. And you decided all the triumphs too, which is awesome, right? I also believe that free will is our ultimate gift, not just as human beings, but as a soul in general out there in the universe, free will is always the thing that is the most powerful. Now, it was about a month ago that I realized that as a matter of fact, this is really wild, I'm just going to like plant the seed here. As a matter of fact, destiny doesn't even really exist. And I'm just going to like, I know, it's like really crazy. Okay, it's really great. I'm still like trying to navigate this, but I just want to plant the seed. Yeah. If we go back to understanding destiny as our blueprints and our contracts, and we go back to understanding that it was us, our soul, to write those blueprints that are contracts, we wrote our own destiny. We wrote our own destiny with our free will. So the free will is always there. It always came first. The free will created the destiny, which means the free will creates the destiny in this present moment. Mm -hmm. And the trippiest thing is if I make a choice like taking my coffee mug and placing it from one position on my desk to another position on my desk, all of a sudden I am messing with my destiny in the next moment because of my choice to switch things up in that moment of free will. And then you get into a paradox of, but was it always predestined for me to move the mug in the first place? And you know what I mean? Like, this is where my mind goes half the time. Like, I'm just, like, really contemplating life. But I really do believe now understanding, oh, well, of course, if we wrote our own destiny and our blueprints, and that's, yeah, in the present moment, it's our destiny to, you know, have that accident or meet that person or what have you. But we could also always change that up in the present moment with free will. It's always and always has been just free will that is creating and co-creating and recreating our current moment and our next moment. So interesting concept.
0: Oh, I love how you explained (laughs) it. Yeah. It gives us this sense of responsibility that's very empowering and just kind of shifts our perspective a little bit. I love that. So if that is our understanding, how does astrology and like human design play into this? Is it kind of um, irrelevant or how does this play in?
1: Yeah, so I definitely, I highly believe in numerology, astrology, human design. Like, (laughs) I mean, I can't not believe in it because every time I get some sort of reading, my mind is freaking blown. It's blown out of the water, you know, and that's, it's such a foreign language to me. Like, I don't know any of that stuff, but I have, you know, astrologers and numerologists all the time telling me that the information that I channel aligns exactly with astrology and numerology, which is really cool validation as well. Mm-hmm. I believe that it is a science. It's a science of looking into some of the subtler aspects of this reality. Um, but I believe that planets hold vibration, and planets in certain positions in relation to our own planetary grid, if that's what you want to call it, uh, holds a certain vibration, and it does create different effects in our life. And for me, it's like, because I don't really look at that in my own channeling, I'm more like looking at the collective. This is where, if you guys are having headaches this week, everyone's, you know, the majority of the people are having headaches because I'm having major migraines.
0: Me too. Just subtle, yeah. like a dull, and I never uh, get that. And I'm like, I'm not even mm-hmm. having caffeine. That's yeah. so interesting.
1: This is what I'm saying. So I always go to the, the highest, like the collective. I always get this information. And that's why I think my, the content in my videos resonates with the majority of people because they're like, oh yeah, I'm going through that too. It's just a validation of your, your, the experience that you're already having. And anything that I can't explain, especially like a lot of the different unique subtleties, I always say, go check out your numerology, go check out what year it is for you, go check out your astrology in this moment, in this month. It's going to explain whatever I can't. You know, so um, I don't really know how it all connects, but I do feel very, um, very aligned to all of those subtle sciences. And I think moving forward, there's going to be way more validity within them than we've ever seen before. And it is going to be the new science because right now, even our very fundamental basic understanding of physics itself is changing with the new understanding of quantum physics so it's like the science that we know is getting a lot less valid um and things are getting more in flux and lucid and the science that we've always poo-pooed is now really coming into the 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 limelight and and really kind of getting more and more valid so it's interesting to see things changing that way as well Mm -hmm.
0: and just the fact that it gets us excited to talk about it and excited to research and connect like that seems like it's worth it anyways, just to raise your yeah. vibration in that way. Yeah. 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 Elizabeth, is there anything I haven't asked you before we go that you want to touch on and cover?
1: I mean, ultimately, I feel like we've
0: touched upon
1: a lot of things.
0: Right. I could ask um, you questions for like a year, but I'm like, yeah, I'll totally. hand it to you.
1: So, yeah. So I think, you know, the, the very last thing that I usually like ending off with is just this empowerment. Like, If you're listening to this podcast right now, you came here for a reason. You got drawn here. These messages were for you. There's an activation that's happening within these messages. And ultimately, you need to realize that everything that I can tap into, everything that I can do, everything that I am, you have the ability to tap into that too, right? We are these incredibly powerful hybrid beings who have just been suppressed and dulled and distracted for far too long. And now it's your responsibility to wake up, to look at life a different way, to question the fundamental reality that you're living in, um, just to open yourself a little bit more and to help those around you open as well. There's a mission that you have. And this podcast, this episode, this message right now is a validation that you have a mission, that you are important, and that you do deserve to thrive and not just survive here in the third dimension.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to everybody who listened. I know this is one of like the juiciest episodes I've done. And I'm so grateful that you were able to make the time and connect with us. So I appreciate you. And for those of us who aren't familiar with you, can you show us, tell us where to go Instagram, YouTube? Yeah. So I have, you know, tons, like
1: over 200, maybe 300 videos on YouTube right now. I also have a YouTube membership program and that's, you know, brand new videos every week. I think I have, you know, over 200 videos there and um, yeah. And then I have like an online course as well. Um, I have a couple of courses, but the one that I think a lot of people need is the 3d to 5d shift Masterclass. So you'll find that off of my link tree link, link in bio of Instagram And then you'll also find that on my website as well, the online school. It's just really going to help and support people shift themselves from the 3D mindset into the 5D. And it really deals with emotions and reactions and triggers and all the baggage, the human baggage that we're going through. So yeah. And then other than that, yeah, just Elizabeth April, I have a podcast, the Expand podcast as well, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. I'm out there putting out all the things. Um, But yeah, it was such a pleasure connecting with you and and being here and having a great conversation. You
0: too. Thank you. And I'll link all of that in the description below. All right, you guys, thank you for being here today. It really is an honor to connect with you and have these kinds of conversations. So again, you can find Elizabeth on Instagram at elizabeth.april. I'm at HelenDenham underscore and HelenDenham.com. So drop us a line. Let us know what you thought about today's episode and what you might have learned. I'd love to hear from you. And I think that's it for me. Have a beautiful rest of your day or evening, wherever you are. And stay tuned for next week's episode because I'll do a chakra balancing meditation, which will be really nice. All right. Love you. Talk to you soon.